Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, bringing you up to speed with the current state of the ever-changing international franchise industry. I'm Kieran McLoon, Deputy Editor for Global Franchise Magazine. Before listening to this episode, don't forget to enter your brand into the highly anticipated Global Franchise Awards 2021, which has an entry deadline of the 14th of January 2021 at 5pm GMT. More information can be found at globalfranchisemagazine.com forward slash awards. While the world of franchise payments may seem inconsequential to the general outsider, for many brands getting this right can either make or break their strategy. And when the right decisions seem a mystery, brands turn to people like Tom Epstein, who has been immersed in the behind-the-scenes world of franchise payments for almost two decades. As the founder and CEO of both Franchise Payments Network and Pollinate, Tom has experienced the entire gamut of payment options that have seen some franchises thrive and others unfortunately fail. On this episode, he walks us through that complex journey and provides some invaluable insight into what franchisors should be expecting from a post-pandemic market. Hiya, Tom. Welcome to the, the podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Karen. I appreciate you having me on today. No, thanks very much for joining us. Um, if we could start by kind of exploring uh, Franchise Payments Network for for maybe some of our listeners who aren't aware of the the kind of services you offer. Um, what kind of um, options do you have for franchisors in terms of support and guidance? And are there any sort of specific things that you've done this year to help businesses weather the COVID-19 storm that we're all still currently going through? Yes. Uh, well, basically, so Franchise Payments Network, we have really two entities that we work with franchisors in. Uh, franchise Payments Network is the payment processing side of our business where we help franchisors put together payment programs um, to help their franchisees collect payments from their customers. And as you know, with, with COVID being uh, <laughs> the central part of everybody's business plan in 2020, it's all been about helping them to achieve touchless payments uh, helping them to do to to stay open during this environment and be able to service their customers and and make sure that they're able to to take payments in a way that the customers are comfortable um, either through uh, you know curbside delivery or pickup or you know sending an invoice through the through email or text and allowing the customer to enter their own credit card information or their banking information if it's ACH. And then the other entity that, that we work with uh, very closely is, is our loyalty program called Pollinate. And, you know, Pollinate traditionally is a loyalty program to help drive sales and uh, increase frequency of visit. But it's also been kind of a, a godsend to a lot of franchisors in that we do mobile apps that allow mobile payments so that the consumer can download the app and attach their payment vehicle, whether it's a credit card or their bank account inside of the app, and then just flash their app. There's a QR code on it and it just flashes the app in front of a uh, barcode scanner and uh, they can make their payment directly through there without having to pull out a credit card or cash or, or have you know any kind of contact with the, the person who's uh, fulfilling their their order. Right, okay. And if we could um, dig a little deeper into one of the services you mentioned there, uh, bespoke app development, especially for um, restaurant brands and in, companies within the food and beverage industry is a, a big deal at the minute. You know, we've seen this year, especially with things like delivery, that um, third-party aggregators, you've got the likes of DoorDash and Uber Eats in the US, are really seeing massive market share and increase in sales 
Um, but what's kind of what are some of the benefits would you say of going down the route of developing a brand's um, own proprietary app versus using one of those third party aggregators? Well, there's there's a lot of benefits to it, and you know I don't want to downplay the the role that uh, an Uber Eats or somebody like that has had because they've they've done a tremendous job in in helping uh, businesses survive during the COVID uh, situation. But um, to have your own app would be you know you have your brand on somebody's phone, so there's an icon on the phone. It kind of locks that customer into you. Whereas when you go on Uber Eats or one of the other uh, competitors of them, you have an option to pick from anybody. So you're, you're on Uber Eats and you're just scrolling through the menu of different restaurants that you might want to order from. And your restaurant's going to be on there, but so will the competitors. And so now as a consumer, you're making a choice. Do you want to uh, frequent this one or that one or the other one, you know, so it's, it really does by having your own app and the consumer opens that app on their phone, they're locked into you. And so they're only picking the services from you. They're ordering from you. There is a revenue share that is, um, that is given back to Uber Eats, obviously for their services, they need to make money too. Um, so it does eat into your profit margins as well. So, you know, every chain might have their own deal with Uber Eats, you know, what that profit margin is that, that they give up. But when you do it through your own app, you don't have that. So it's all internal. The customer comes in and either picks up or if you have a delivery service, it's your own employee that's delivering it. And there is no money that's given back to them. And in fact, there may be some um, some monetary um, benefit to it as well in that, you know, if you have a restaurant and you have a smaller ticket size, you know, if you're a QSR, you know, and you're, you're doing, you know, eight, 10, 12, $15 tickets, um, you're actually saving money by having an app because the consumer will have the ability to top up. So let's say they top up to a hundred dollars or something on their app and they're making, three or four orders that add up to that $100. That's really one transaction when they top up, as opposed to the four or five transactions that they would do if they weren't going through the app. So you're saving those transaction fees by aggregating the transactions, if you will. So there's there's a lot of benefits to it, not only from locking the customer in, but also um, some cost savings to the uh, franchisee as well. And, uh, and just out of curiosity, with this year, obviously, a lot of um, restaurants shutting down and a lot of people turning to delivery. Have you seen an increased demand in app from clients who perhaps maybe didn't have those uh, delivery services at all before? Because there's stories this year, you see companies like um, Little Caesars who, you know, in their 60 year history have never done delivery. And now they're offering it because out of necessity, they have to. Have you seen any kind of similar stories like that where... Um, sort of, you know, people stuck in their ways almost are now turning to delivery and turning to you to help them develop those bespoke caps. Oh, absolutely. Um, this, uh, this situation that we're in, every business out there has had to kind of modify what they're doing in order to meet the consumer demands. And we have seen not only an uptick in people wanting to have their own app and, and starting to deploy those things, but we're also seeing an uptick in the consumers wanting to use those types of apps and using more credit card and more you know, mobile payments than they have in the past. So while we as an industry have always been you know, 
kind of hoping that that merchants would adopt this technology. Most of what you're seeing that uh, that merchants are using today has been around for quite a while, but the merchants haven't adopted it either through cost or they were just complacent and, and happy doing business the way they used to. Well, now we're seeing you know quite the opposite where they're all trying to do the best that they can to to roll out these programs and get them out there as quickly as possible and, and have the consumers adopt them. Um, we're even, you know, it, it, it's been quite an interesting trend. I don't know if, if some of the listeners might follow me on LinkedIn or not, but every month I do a posting on LinkedIn about, you know, franchise and, and the industry and the payments that are happening and the payment in the, in the franchise industry. And yeah, while we, our portfolio of merchants did take a pretty big hit when uh, things started happening in March and April. They started coming back pretty rapidly in May and June. And by July, we were actually processing more transactions for our customers than we did the previous year when there was no, no noise around you know, a COVID situation. There was no election stuff here in the U.S. There was nothing going on. It was just a normal year. And we were processing more during all of this COVID shutdown and everything starting in July. And we'll end up the year um, actually with more transactional volume in 2020 than we had in 2019 for same store sales, which was kind of interesting. And I don't, I don't know if I can attribute that to the businesses doing more business, but I think I attribute it to the businesses doing more through mobile payments and the consumers wanting to use credit card more than cash or check than they used to. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see um, whether those numbers remain throughout 2021. I know a lot of businesses are sort of, you know, holding their breath to see whether um, this uptick in delivery is here to stay. I imagine for the most part, it probably will be. Um, if we could talk a little more about um, the the loyalty side of your organization, of course, you mentioned Pollinate, the loyalty program increases visits and things like that. And on your site, there's some quite impressive statistics talking about how you've, uh, some of your case studies, 50% increase in customer frequency, um, 17% increase in average ticket sales. Could you kind of um, unpack operationally how you achieve those statistics with your clients? Yeah. So Pollinate is you know a loyalty platform that, that we really rolled out maybe two years ago. Uh, we always did loyalty as part of Franchise Payments Network, um, but we felt like we needed to have its own entity and its own identity. And when we did that, we kind of reimagined what loyalty should be. Um, we were looking at, you know, other loyalty companies that were just rewarding people for coming in that tenth time and, and giving them something free, and they weren't really changing consumer behavior. And so, what we did when we when we built out this platform was we really wanted to take a look at how could we do something that would change consumer behavior. We want them to spend more money, so we want to reward people for adding a new item that they've never tried before, a dessert or a, a new drink or something with their order. We want to increase our share of the wallet. So we know that like men tend to get their hair cut, you know, once a month or something. And the, 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 the normal matrix behind a, a men's hair place is that they'll see their customer, you know, five or six times a year. Well, why is that? We need to increase that share of the wallet. We want them to see them nine times a year so that they didn't lose that, that 
transaction to one of their competitors. And so what we did was we created a lot of automated triggers in the system that when we know that a customer should be in and they didn't show up, we automatically send out messages or coupons or something of that nature to the the customer to try to remind them that they should come in or give them an incentive to come in. But even more importantly, when we did this, we took a look at that whole concept of net promoter and we said, look, you know, a lot of companies are, are very interested in what their net promoter score is. And for the listeners, if you're not quite aware of it, it's it's basically a very simple survey that would be sent to your customers to ask them, you know, maybe two or three questions to find out the likelihood that that person would say something good about your brand or your or your business to their friends and family. And what we learned over the years is franchisors do a great job of figuring out how to communicate with the people that detract, the ones that say, I didn't have a good experience. And they do a very good job with that. But the ones that say I did have a good experience, they pretty much just said, hey, this is great. We're doing a great job. And they didn't really do much with that information. What we wanted to do was turn those net promoters into real promoters and give your most valuable customers a reason to promote your business to their friends and family and give them an easy way to do it and then reward them when they do so that you could earn points on the spend of your brother, your sister, your best friend, whatever, if you got them engaged in in your program. And so it kind of takes that net promoter or that social media influencer to the next level and says, hey, you know, we we really want you to do it and we're going to reward you for for doing something and, and helping us gain more customers. And what are um, some of the, for example, some of the rewards that a, a customer might receive? You know, let's say that's a, a restaurant or a, a a gym or anything like that. What are some of the incentives to um, drive them to spread that positivity about a brand? Yeah. So if if, if you're talking about the the uh, pollinator is what we call it that that part of our program. Um, if you're talking about that specific thing, so what we're trying to do is so if if you would allow us to if you're a coffee shop, let's say, and you go in and you have coffee five times a week, every day on your way to work, we don't want to post every time that you go in. That would be annoying to your friends and family. But maybe once every two weeks or something like that, you allow us to, to put a post on your Facebook, Instagram, Twitter page, and it just it just a link on there that says, hey, I was at Kieran's Coffee Shop. And I had a great coffee there, and I think you would enjoy it too. Here's a link. If you click on it, you can join the program, or you can get a you know a couple of bucks off your next meal, or something like that. If that person does go in, then you would would earn points based on their spend as well toward whatever it is you know that that, that particular business is is doing. So a lot of companies might give you know a, a free you know, soda or free dessert after a meal to to compensate somebody for a loyalty program. If it's a gym, as you said, maybe it's a free personal training session. Um, if it's a automotive uh, aftermarket place where you're doing service, it might be a free car wash that you would get. You know, you earn points towards. So there, there's many different ways to reward your customers for doing what what um, you would want them to be doing, which is promoting your brand. 
And uh, and the flip side to all this, is there any kind of mistakes that you think that franchisors maybe have been making lately, clients you've worked with maybe who have come to you for assistance, um, mistakes with regards to payments and loyalty, where they're leaving potentially thousands of dollars on the table, um, which, you know, that perhaps your services could then help them to to claim? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. And, you know, I think when COVID hit, there was there was a lot of different you know obviously a lot of confusion in the marketplace and franchisors either took a path of hey I'm going to you know circle the wagons if you will and just kind of hunker down and, and hope this thing passes and and they stopped a lot of their marketing efforts they stopped a lot of their their uh, public relations efforts they stopped you know a lot of things that they were doing and just you know were advising franchisees to you know, just hunker down as well and hopefully survive the storm. And then you had other franchisors who saw it as an opportunity to really push the envelope even further and get out in front of technology and get out in front of their marketing efforts and work with their vendors to, um, to if they can, reduce costs wherever they could and really help their franchisees do better. And those franchises you'll see as, as we start coming out of COVID are, have really been the ones that are well positioned to take some of that, what I call share of the wallet, take some of that business away from their competitors. And as their competitors struggle to get back into the stride, these guys who have been very proactive and, and really reached out and, and really worked with their franchisees and their vendors over the past nine, 10 months they're going to be the ones that are going to be the winners. So it, it has been very interesting. You know, we work with maybe 190, 200 different franchise brands and we've seen every flavor and, uh, um, you know, we do our best to try to try to help advise them as to, you know, what's the best path to take around payments and around loyalty. But it is very interesting to watch that. And, uh, and just on that note of a potential upswing next year for the brands that have really managed to nail it, um, looking at, I suppose, the decade ahead now, we're into 2020, um, what are some of the, the point of sale or financial or even consumer-based, I suppose, truths um, that brands should understand now to be able to prepare their, their offering and, um, and reap the rewards of that? I'll, I'll answer that in two different ways. So in the very short term, what, what I've been telling our customers is, over reward your customers right now. These guys have changed the way that they do business in order to engage with your with your business. And you know, just like you want them to come to you, they want you to take care of them. And so you need to really take care of your customers at this point. And if you can give some of these guys that have been loyal to you through the whole thing. I mean, imagine you're used to going to a restaurant and it's a sit down situation and you're used to being there and you're used to engaging with, you know, your favorite host or waitress or whatever that that's working in the restaurant. And now you can't sit down and, and eat inside, but that person still comes and picks up food from you once a week and they do the curbside delivery or they do something like that. They need to feel special and you need to reward them. But on the long term, you know, to your, to your question, I think what, what this whole situation has done is, is really accelerated the use of technology that has, for the most part, already been around, but the way we deliver it might be a little bit different. And so it really has accelerated that touchless um, technology that we're using. 
And it's accelerated the whole idea of money being more like a crypto type currency, but not necessarily using Bitcoin or something of that nature, but just changing the way that we use currency into where you're using a electronic wallet, if you will, to where people aren't using cash anymore. They're not using a plastic credit card anymore. They're not writing checks anymore. Everything is in an electronic wallet that you can easily access from your phone or even if you start looking at some of the things that are going on in other countries, if you look at um, what Alibaba and, and Jack Ma is doing with facial recognition, just you just show your face to a, to a kiosk and it's making that payment because it recognizes you and it's attached to that digital wallet. You're going to see more and more of this kind of stuff to make payments a lot less friction to where it's uh, really easier to make a payment. But it's also just as secure because no one has the same facial, you know, that you have or the same iris that you have or the same thumbprint that you have. So it it does make those payments um, a lot easier to do and a lot quicker to do. Um, So you're going to see a lot more of that to where there's just less currency going on around the the world. It's all going to be more and more electronic as we move forward. Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, um, to kind of look at it in that, as you know, obviously the pandemic is a horrible thing that's affected millions of people around the world, but, um, the fact that there's that silver lining of it has sped up this technology that did exist, but as you say, is now going to just become front and center. Whereas previously it may have been on the fringes of, um, people's understanding of payments. Um, well, thanks very much for your time today, Tom. It's been really interesting speaking with you about franchise payments network and pollinate and just the, the whole idea of, um, payments as a whole is something that I suppose, you know, normally we'd speak to brands, but this is almost uh, much more relevant to the entire industry rather than more specific um, industry discussions. So yeah, thanks very much for your insight, Tom, and uh, looking forward to seeing what you guys get up to in the new year. Thanks, Kieran. I appreciate your time and uh, look forward to talking to you again sometime. It seems like a given that brands should utilize the positive experiences of their customers for further promotion, but that isn't really the norm. I can't remember the last time a brand turned me into an active promoter, at least. That's why Pollinate's loyalty program makes so much sense and is probably why Tom has seen an uptick in demand from his clients to deepen their reward systems. Tom's thoughts on bespoke app development were also very timely, and while it might cost money to develop your own branded application, the long-term rewards and the ability to avoid costly third-party fees make up for that initial hit. We'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. Does your brand have its own bespoke app, or do you rely on the convenience and ubiquity offered by the likes of Uber Eats? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.